This is a space where we discuss life, share truth, and gain an encouraging perspective, no matter our season or our circumstance. I am your host, China Vogel, and this is a peek into my personal journey of being lost. Well, hello and welcome to the Lost Then Found podcast. I'm your host, China Vogel, and I've got a question for you. Do you feel like your hope has been denied? Do you feel like the things that you have looked forward to, wished for, prayed for, even the things that you felt called to by God have just not come to pass? Me too. And I am so excited to dig in with you today on what we do when we feel like hope has been denied. So hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So really, when we say hope is denied, we are saying my desire and my expectation has been shut off. It's been rejected. It's been shut down. And, you know, in my own life, I have had my own story of having hope, uh, feeling like it's been denied. I think about the prayers that I prayed uh, and the hopes that I gave to God years ago, prayers for healing, prayers for about my, my dreams and my calling and the skills the Lord has given me, uh, hopes that I, how I thought it should turn out. And, you know, one of those things for me was worship. If you don't know that about me, I am actually a worship leader. I've been leading at my church for a number of years now. Um, But when I first started, I remember sitting down and uh, I was actually on staff at the time at our church. And I remember sitting down and as kind of direction from our pastor, we were writing out kind of what we felt called to, um, some of the things we felt strong in. And that was uh, kind of being used to help structure the organization and um, just help, I think, to bring clarity around, oh, this is where uh, this person's passion is, right? And where their desires are. And I remember being so terrified <laughs> to write down what I thought because uh, I was kind of in this fresh state of being revived in my faith. And uh remember feeling like, man, I know I'm called to worship. I know that. But really having my sights fixed on, man, I want to be a worship pastor, right? I don't, I want to lead worship. Yes. And maybe, maybe I didn't even know what that all entailed, but I just, I wanted to be whatever I thought that was at that time. And so I I remember writing that down and being terrified (laughs) to write that down. Um, and you know, fast forward, we're eight years later and I can tell you that that has not come to pass. And I'm going to pause that story because I want to kind of unpack what hope, uh, being held off can look like. Uh, you know, for some of us, uh, we have dreams, we have desires, we have hopes that haven't been met, that we haven't seen God do what we thought he was going to do. And naturally, that brings about a whole host of emotions, including disappointment, and maybe some discouragement, and maybe a loss of hope, or a lack of fervor. And it can really honestly be like sickness that sets into our bones right? It can leave us weak, feeble, fearful, disheartened, and 
that really leads me to our key verse of today, which is Proverbs 13, 12. So it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So hope that is withheld will make us sick, (laughs) but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I so have identified with this and also wrestled with this verse, identified with it because I know that sick feeling that it's referring to. Um, And I have had longings fulfilled that like getting married and having babies that um, are so sweet and it is so life-giving. And then there's this other part of me that has this tension that I've been wrestling out where, you know, we know that God cares about our heart. We see it all through scripture that he doesn't care about the outward appearance. He cares about the heart. And I would say it's fair to assume that God doesn't desire for our heart to be sick. God said that he He came to heal the sick. He came for the sick, right? He wants us to be healthy and to be whole, right? So the contrast here is, so then if God's the one holding the decisions in his hands, and seemingly that's what what is causing our heart to get sick, then what do we do with that? What do we do when our hope's been deferred? What do we do when our hope's been delayed seemingly like it's never going to come? And friend, I have some thoughts for you on this. I have some thoughts for you on this because I believe God cares about your heart. He cares about your heart. And I guess as a foundational piece to where we're going here, God does hold the keys in his hands and his thoughts are not my thoughts and his decisions and his ways are not my ways, right? His ways are so far above mine. But I do believe that we serve a good God and I believe that he desires for us to be whole. So it's not so much hey, how could God care about our heart and yet do the very thing that makes us sick? I think it probably begs more of the question. It's probably more in how we handle hope deferred than it is about God and what he does with what he hands out, what he decides to do. So to start off, we need to look at our foundation. We need to look at our foundation, you know, the foundation of when we're talking about these hopes and these desires and these dreams, what, where do those come from, right? And when you take a look at yours, what are these things? Are they good? And as a deeper follow-up question, is it uh, the motivation behind that desire? What is that, right? And a a third follow-up question is, is this a God thing? Did God speak this? Is it a good thing, but maybe not a God thing? Like it's, hey, this is good. Like I, it's okay that we want our family to be healthy. We want, um, and I would dare say that that is a God thing, but maybe something that you haven't heard God speak to you on, right? Good things, but maybe separate from, no, God spoke this to me. And really we need to kind of sift things out here. We need to kind of categorize them in. Hey, God has spoken this to me. I know that the Lord has deposited this within me. And then, hey, these are good hopes and desires and dreams. 
And we need to sift them into those two categories so we can kind of get a better handle on how to handle those. Because depending on where they fall, it's going to depend on how we handle those things. But then I do think there's another category, a third category where there is motivation underneath, whether we realize or acknowledge it, it or not, that in some way undermines God's authority and it undermines our reliance and dependence on him. And some of these things that can kind of creep up can be achievements. They can be, you know, if I get my degree done or if I get this thing or if I get that or if I buy that car. And then it can also be financial security, right? If I get so much in my bank account or if uh, my house looks a certain way or it can even be a relationship, right? I, I need to get married. I need to have a boyfriend. I need to have babies. Um, and then, then I'll be okay. Or maybe it's approval and favor. Maybe it's, I need approval from these people or these, this leadership in my life or my boss at work. I need them to have favor onto me and to have, put their stamp of approval on me. Or maybe it's even just gaining a position or a status or a title, right? And we can uh, unintentionally, while those things can be blessings, all of those things can be blessings. And I believe the Lord can definitely work in those things. Once again, God cares much more about our heart than he cares uh, about the, the outward appearance, right? So the reality is, is that our heart, when we take those things and we elevate them higher than they should be, those things can become idols, right? I can say, hey, when, you know, in my my example, hey, when I gain this title, then then I've arrived, then I'm worthy, then I'm enough, then that says, and then that also speaks into that I have this approval, right? That our leadership recognizes and sees the anointing and the call on my life and Therefore, I can operate in all of that um, or relationships, right? Like, you know, once I have babies, then I'll be complete. Or once I have a spouse, then that's going to be like, man, I'm going to arrive. But friends, I just want to tell you that anything that we elevate to that kind of level, that we say, I need this to be worthy, to be okay, to be enough, to have peace. That is an idol and it undermines God's authority and it undermines his design for us to have dependence and reliance on him. And so you can understand why it's kind of important for us to really square up with our hopes and our desires and to really sift that out of, okay, what, what's my motives here? Where, where is this coming from? And I do believe that the Lord has deposited, deposited good dreams and good desires in our hearts as well. And then I believe he speaks things to us. And then I do think that we have our sinful nature that rises up and has selfish ambition and um, vain conceit and all this envy and all this other stuff, right? And we need to be able to separate these things out because once again, depending on where they fall, it's really going to change how we approach them, how we handle them. And you know, Proverbs 21.2 says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. 
but the Lord is the one who weighs the heart. We need the Lord to reveal to us what the motives are behind our desires and our hopes. Because ultimately, where our motives are will lead to where we're laying our foundation. And how many of us know that our foundation really matters? You're building this life, which can be kind of, you know, compared to a home. And when you're building a house, your foundation matters. Can I get an amen? It does. It matters. Because if you have a good foundation, you're going to be steady. You're not going to be like my hundred and some year old house where it has a sinking corner on the front side because the foundation wasn't good. And you know, the Bible tells a story about building houses and it has two different scenarios in Luke. So let's take a look at that. It's Luke 6, 46 through 49. Therefore, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the torrents raged, and the winds blew. They beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the torrents raged, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And it was a great collapse. And friend, for some of us, we really need to take the time to sift out our motives. And not just sift them out on our own. Because once again, our ways seem right through our own eyes and through our own lens. We need the Lord to come in. And through the power of the Holy Spirit to shine light in the way that he does. To gently and lovingly say, hey, that's actually what's there. And friend, if you realize that you're building on something that's anything but the rock, it's not too late. We are in a process of being sanctified, of sanctification. And there is always time to be refined deeper, to be renewed deeper, to uh, say, you know what, that part of me is not handed over to you, Lord. And we can start building a foundation that is secure and it's unmoving because it's on the rock. And so if you feel that poke, that conviction, now's the moment. I mean, you just say, okay, I recognize that isn't the right foundation. And then we start moving towards making efforts to shift where our security is. We focus our efforts uh, and our eyes on Jesus being the foundation and we start putting our heart there. We start relying on him. We start putting our actions where our mouth is. We start valuing his word and time in his presence the way that we say that it matters, right? Because if we truly rely on him, my time with Jesus and the amount of time I spend with Jesus is going to look far different than if I'm just saying that, but really I'm relying on all this other stuff, right? And sometimes our desires are strong and I get that. I I am a um, a high and a low gal. I have hard swings to the left and to the right and very, very big feelings, big emotions. So I understand when those desires are strong and it can feel like they are leading us more than we're leading them. And friend, if you're in that place, 
it's really as simple as asking for help. Ask the Lord to help. Man, he is so good. Uh, all throughout scripture, it says, if you ask, if you knock, if you seek, hey, if you pursue me, I'll, I'll answer, right? And so if you find yourself in that place where you're like, I can't change myself. Good news, you don't have to. It was never up to you to begin with. <laughs> but through the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you because it's been given to you as a believer, he will empower you to overcome your sinful nature, to overcome those wrong motives. And he will give you, what does scripture say? A new heart, right? He will give you a new heart. Heart, he will give you fresh eyes and renew your vision and renew your thoughts. The Lord will establish your foundation. You only need to ask. So we really need to look at our foundation as a first step. We need to sift those things out into those three categories. And then from there, we need to refresh our view. So when I was writing this out, I actually had this picture of, and this might date me slightly, but um, you know, when they used to do auctions on like eBay and you'd have to refresh the page to see if a new bid came in and like, you'd be down to the final minutes to see if you were going to get something or maybe on Ticketmaster. I just had this the other day where a pre-sale was going out for a concert and I kept refreshing the page to see if people were changing which seats they had reserved, or it can be even as, you know, simple as us refreshing Facebook or Instagram and you just go to the top and you swipe down and it spins and it refreshes and you have new stuff in front of you. And that's the kind of refreshing I'm talking about. You need to refresh your view constantly. We need to keep our view fresh and not just on anything. We need to keep it fresh, specifically cleaning out all the distractions and all the other gunk so we can focus on what God has spoken and to be listening for anything new that he would speak to us. And honestly, to just keep our gaze fixed on him and what he has said, we keep it out in front of us, right? And maybe you're like this too. I know I so often can wander away from the things of God that he's promised, that he's spoken. And if I'm not careful, I can get in a really like far off corner by myself really quickly. Uh, if I'm not careful with the thoughts and the things that I entertain and the amount of noise that I let go on in my what I'm looking at, you know, through my vision, through even on my phone, right? We have it on Facebook. We have it on Instagram. It's a lot of noise. There's a lot to look at and there's a lot to look at in life. We can get distracted by what this person's doing or what that person's doing or that person's promotion or this or that or whatever. But really it's actually quite simple. We need to refresh our view to remember what God has spoken to be listening for what he would continue to speak to us and to just keep him out in front of us with our gaze fixed on him. Isaiah 26, three through four says, you will keep in perfect peace, the steadfast of mind because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever because God, the Lord is the rock eternal. There it is again. He's the rock. If that ain't a word for today. And you know, something that's helped me, especially if I feel like I've been in an extended season of waiting to see something come to pass, if my hope is waning, a diagnostic question that I ask before the Lord, you know, kind of on repeat, I just keep bringing about is, man, 
well, what are you trying to teach me? What, what are you trying to develop in me? What uh, revelation do you need to give me through my waiting? And friend, God is not an unkind God. If you don't know that, I mean, you can take my word for it, but I pray that you would discover this firsthand. He is not unkind. He is not cruel. And he's not just making you wait because he doesn't care or because he's teasing you. Hear me, if you are waiting, there is a purpose. If you are waiting, if your hope is deferred, there is a purpose. So what is he trying to teach you? What is he wanting to develop in you? And when I think about being taught to be developed, I naturally go to discipline in my mind, probably because of my own upbringing. But I, I always think of discipline in the Bible and I kind of flinch a little bit <laughs> because I think of a spiritual spanking, if anyone else is with me. And I do think that sometimes the Lord, I mean, he, he can have wrath. We see it all throughout scripture, all throughout the Old Testament, like when he was tested, he is he's slow to anger. But when he was pushed to the brink, the Lord's wrath, righteous anger would come down on his people and on the enemies of his people. But I do think that God's discipline is more diverse than just getting a spanking. So hear me. God's discipline is there to train us. Do you hear what I'm saying? God's discipline is for our good. It's to educate us. He disciplines us to instruct us. He uses it as a way to give us repetition to grow our muscles, to exercise those muscles. So, friend, it's for your good. God's discipline is from love. It says in Hebrews 12, 5 through 6, it says, My son, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves. So if you're being taught, trained, educated, if you're kind of going around the mountain and he's wanting to teach you something, it's because he loves you. It goes on in verse 11 of that Hebrews 12. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness in peace for those who have been trained by it. For those who have been trained by the Lord's discipline, who have allowed themselves to, man, it's for your benefit. Also Deuteronomy 8.5, he says, So know in your heart that just as man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And sometimes I can find myself asking, why? <laughs> Why? What did I? What did I do? <laughs> I don't. I don't want this. Right? I can act like a toddler, but I really loved this out of Deuteronomy, uh, out of chapter eight. You know, it said that man disciplines his son, and the Lord disciplines you, just like a father to his son, right? But it goes on in verse six, and I feel like it paints a really beautiful why behind this. It says, "Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God." walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and fountains, 
and springs that flow through the valiant hills, a land with wheats, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity or you will lack nothing, and a land whose rocks are iron and whose hills are ready to be mined for copper. When you eat and are satisfied, you are to bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Do you hear that? He leads in, hey, I discipline you just like a father disciplines a son. Therefore, it's going to help you to keep my commandments. It's going to help you to walk in my ways. It's going to help you to fear me. And I'm going to bring you into a good land and a land with all the provision. You will lack nothing, it says. I just so loved that picture. Man, don't push off the very thing that he would use to train you and develop you to take for you to take hold so you can have the strength to take hold and inhabit the promises he has for you. Don't push it off. Don't squirm under it. Yield to the Father's hands. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Friend, receive the training, receive the lesson, receive the discipline. Ask the deeper question, man, Lord, what are you teaching me? And you need to keep refreshing your vision on this is what the Lord's doing. It's something greater. So we need to look at the foundation. We need to refresh our view regularly. And friend, you need to know that fulfilled hope is coming. And this can come in a few different ways. So hang with me here. I do believe that there is fulfilled hope that's coming by God's will being accomplished. And notice I don't say by your petition and your ask and your will being accomplished. Because this can really come in a few different ways. Sometimes we do see that those hopes and those desires get directly answered, right? I've had those, you know, last year I've talked about this a lot, but my husband got sick. We walked through some like dark moments there of like, I don't know if he's going to come out of this. I don't know if he's going to walk. Um, you know, there was a lot of nerves around that. I prayed and I believe the Lord delivered us out of that. And it was amazing. But then there are those kind of hopes that don't get answered or haven't been answered. And I just want to give you some wisdom from my own walk here, right? While I don't have it all figured out, um, I do, I just was saying this to someone the other day that it's amazing how um, just where we've been in our lives and the things that we've done in the last decade, it's like the Lord's put us almost like in a pressure cooker and it's like it's expedited our cooking process. And <laughs> uh, some of that, it's the, the pain and the lessons have come faster and they're a little harder and a little more jolting. But at the same time, there's been a deeper maturity that is beyond, honestly, where our years should be because of that. And so I really felt impressed to impart this to you because I can look back and, you know, there were things that I asked for, like being a worship pastor, right? That was like, Lord, I just know that you've created me to do worship and that's what I want. That's the thing, right? And I've been able to look back years later after seeing God 
withhold that thing from me. And I realize how much better that was for me. Do you hear what I'm saying? God withheld the very thing that I was pining over, that I was yearning for, that I was desiring and hoping for. It's And it's because it was better for me. I fully believe that because God was far more concerned with my development and developing fruit in me than he was with uh, giving me satisfaction and gratification in the moment, whatever I was yearning for. And, you know, I have toddlers and sometimes they want candy, right? And sometimes they want to take a fistful of candy when, when, you know, if we go on the potty, we're potty training. So they may want to take like a fistful of candy and I could let them do that. And it would be enjoyable for a moment, but how many of us know what it feels like to eat way too much candy, right? You get sick. It makes you feel horrible. It isn't good for you. It's actually very bad for your body. And so rather than that, because I love my daughters, I actually only allow them to have one and not because I'm trying to keep something good from them, but a great example the other night, I let them have one because I knew we were going to have ice cream after dinner. And so the reality is, is there was something sweeter that I was aware of later on that she had no clue about because I didn't give her what she desired right in that moment because I had something better because I knew the full picture. And so it is with God, right? He isn't punishing you or me. He isn't withholding good from us to tease us. He knows what is best for us. He knows the whole picture. And that role, that title of being a worship pastor, that being withheld from me, I can say with a surety, that that has developed character in me, that that has developed perseverance in me, that that has sifted my motives continually, (laughs) that that has created more kindness and understanding and patience in me, that it's made me a better worship leader than I ever could have been on my own. It's taught me how to submit to the leadership that God has appointed over me. And not like kicking and screaming or throwing a fit or mumbling under my breath, but like truly like, no, I know that the Lord has put these people here for my benefit. kind of submission, like full unity. Man, there's something blessed in that. And I'm telling you that could have come no other way, especially if the Lord would have given me what I was yearning for in that moment that I thought of what I thought was best. And so Friend, if it's being delayed, you need to trust that God will fulfill it according to his purpose because he has good stuff for you. So if it's not now, if it's not ever, he still has good things for you. Sometimes we just don't have the full picture and we're not going to, but that's where this like kind of hope that trusts, that's where that comes into play where we trust no I believe God is a good God. I believe he's who he says he is. And if he's not not releasing whatever this thing is yet that I've asked for, that I'm hoping for, then I trust him where I'm at because he knows what is best for me. And friend, so you need to know that fulfilled hope, it comes by God's will being accomplished. There's also this fulfilled hope that's accessible 
right now in God's presence. Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn back so that way your sins may be wiped away and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Friend, when we recenter our hearts on Jesus, there's this refreshing that comes. When we turn from our sin, when we repent, he like washes us all over again. It's amazing. And how many of you know that when hopes don't get fulfilled, sometimes you feel like the wind gets knocked out of you. And I'm front of the line. I, I know that feeling. It's almost like you got the very life source kicked out of you. And the refreshing word that is in that passage, that um, Acts 3.20, it says that times of refreshing may come. That refreshing word comes from anap suko, if I'm saying that right, which means to refresh, to revive, can bring much welcomed relief, can bring comfort, or even my personal favorite, it can literally mean recovery of breath. How beautiful is that? That, hey, we repent, we turn back to him, and he restores our breath to us, our life to us. And when you break that word down, it means that there's like this process that's being done where you are being refreshed with God's breath, with cool, refreshing air. And if you have ever experienced anything like I have experienced, if you've come in contact with the living, active, right here, right now, presence of God, I know that to be true from my own experience. That I've been refreshed. That sometimes we can have a physical response to his presence. You know, I get, some people get goosebumps, I get goosebumps. Um, man, I have this thing in my hands, almost like I'm... Um, uh, I don't even know how to explain that. Like I'm pinching something. It's like, I don't mean to, but if I'm leading worship, sometimes that happens and I'll catch myself doing that, but it's become enough of a pattern now where I'm like, oh, that's a, I'm responding to the Lord's presence right now. And you know, some of us might emotionally sense him, right? We can feel all this like love and warmth and um, peace so good. Or we can even have thoughts or visions come into our mind. I've had that. Or we may even hear his voice speaking to us. And what God does, man, it's so far above my understanding to be able too lofty for me to understand or to even remotely diagnose. I'm just giving you a list of the things that I've experienced. But the spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, is compared to a lot of things in scripture, but compared to wind and breath and water. Now that I now that I think of it. And it's ironic that we're talking about refreshing the breath of God, this like cooling breath, and that's who he is. And I don't understand all that goes on when when his presence comes into a room when we're gathered, but I do know that he's breathing on us, that he's touching us. He's coming near and he's touching our hearts and our minds. And that includes those hopes and those desires, good, bad, and different. It's laid bare before him whom we must give an account. And there is refreshing that happens. 
And friend, if you feel like you've had the wind knocked out of you, if you feel like those hopes have died even, you can receive relief and peace and perspective and comfort right here, right now, with his presence. Because some something uh, that happens when hopes don't get fulfilled, you know, that wind gets knocked out of you, but God's presence brings that breath right back into you. And I love that because in Genesis 2, 7, I mean, that's where it began. The Lord says that he formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed breath of life into his nostrils. And then the man became a living being. It is the breath of God that sustains us anyway. It's the breath of God that is what keeps those hopes and those dreams alive. Even when we haven't seen it come to pass, even when it doesn't look the way we think it should. And I do believe that when we come into his presence, he also has a way of giving us almost like a chiropractic adjustment. He sets, if stuff's cockeyed, he has a way of kind of setting it straight sometimes. You know what I mean? He's done it with me, man, more times than I can count where I need an attitude adjustment. I need some sort of perspective shifted and I can go in one way and I come out a different person because I have encountered the living God. So friend, he is available to you. So there is hope because you can access him anytime. Right now, listening to this podcast, you can call on the name of Jesus and I believe the Lord will draw near to you. You draw near to him, he draws near to you. That's what he does. And yes, we... Uh, I know, I know for my church and for what we do, we create environments and worship experiences and we preach the word of God and it's the presence of God comes into the room when we're congregating as a church family, but it can happen in your bedroom. It can happen in your car. It can happen at the grocery store as you're picking out your cereal. Like he is available 24 seven. So if you need refreshing if you need water to come and cleanse things if you need the breath of God to come and breathe on you and to revive the things that are dying that feel like man the wind's knocked out of me he can do it he can do it and then finally there's fulfilled hope friend that's coming because Christ is returned you know that? (laughs) He's coming back. If you've never read Revelation, it all points to Jesus, but there's this larger narrative going on where I, you know, scripture talks about like birthing pains in the end times that it'll be like pain of childbirth. And I feel like we see that in our world. You don't have to look far to see the depravity and the brokenness and the sin and like the pain that is in our world. And the more that I experience that looking out, you know, in our nation, in our world, in our community, and then even in my home, in my own backyard, I don't know about you, but I find myself saying, Jesus, would you just come back? Because when he comes back, every tear will be wiped away. All the wrong things will be set right. Every broken thing will be restored. And we will live eternally in his presence. 
eternally for the rest of our days, forever and ever. <laughs> and friend, there is something that's deeper inside of us. And sometimes because of the noise, it gets crowded out. But there's a yearning deeper inside of us that says, come, Jesus, come quickly. I think of this uh, old song that got revamped recently, and it's done as a Christmas song, but it says, come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Come, thou long-expected King. Because just as he came, as God sent his one and only son to earth to, to die for our sins, to grow up, to live a spotless, human, fully human, uh, fully, fully God, fully man life. So he came then. Then there's like this echo in eternity that says, come the long expected Jesus. Come the long expected King. Because friends, some, sometimes there's stuff that won't, we won't see get reconciled until eternity comes. And that creates such heartache and such heaviness. When there's such deep loss and travesty and depravity around us. But there's an eternal hope. There's an eternal hope and that's going to be such an, a fulfillment that we can't even fathom. <laughs> So friend, <laughs> I pray that this has encouraged you. And I know for, for myself, you know, I use the worship pastor uh, example. There's been a, a, a list I can't even count of those types of things, right? Where we get our eyes fixed on something. And good, bad, God thing, selfish motive thing, whatever. But either way, we're left confused and disappointed sometimes, right? And I, going back to what I said in the beginning, I don't think that he's holding the keys and sitting up there saying, well, if you just do it all right, then maybe I'll, I'll throw you a bone. <laughs> he's not teasing you. He's not taunting you. I believe he holds the whole the whole story in his hands, and he knows what's best for you. And while his desire is not that our heart would be sick, he is so committed to you bearing good, long-lasting fruit, much more than your comfort, much more than your immediate gratification. And I would much rather have a God who cares about me to those links rather than just appeasing me in the moment. So friend, it matters what you do with your heart when your hope's been deferred. So just to recap, you need to look at your foundation. You need to sift out where, what the motives are behind those. I would even journal it. But ultimately, you need to shore up the foundation that you are building on to be on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. On his name alone, your hope can be found and that it will withstand all the trials and all the shifting sands and all the, the wind blowing that life can throw at it. You need to refresh your view so it's fixed on Jesus, 
on what he has spoken to you and what he wants to speak to you. And you need to know that there's a fulfilled hope that is coming. His will will be done, which is going to be the best thing for you anyway. There is hope to be fulfilled in his presence, to be revitalized and refreshed in his presence. And there's an eternal hope that is coming with the return of Jesus Christ, the one true king. So friends, let him lead you. Let him shepherd your heart. Let him tend to the wounds and the disappointment. And I believe that you will come out on the other side looking more like Jesus and just like I have, proclaiming all the more, I am so grateful it didn't turn out the way I thought it should have. I'm so grateful. God, you knew what was best. So Jesus, I just, uh, on behalf of those listening and myself, God, we love you. This is for you. Our lives are laid down for you. And I just pray that you would minister and touch and speak to people in the way that only by your Holy Spirit can do. You you know the heart. You weigh the heart. You see it all. So God, we allow you access and permission to come in. To say, Lord, have your way in me. My hopes, my dreams, they are yours. And I trust you. Whatever path you take me in, I know that you are a good shepherd. So, Lord, lead on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friend, I love you. I'm so grateful you took the time to join in today. If this ministered to you, I would encourage you share it with a friend, share it on your socials. I would so appreciate the love. Uh, because I just believe this is a timely word, especially in such a, a world and a time that is in such upheaval and such distraction and such noise. We need to be centered and we need to be fixed on Jesus and focused on Him and Him alone. So I love you. I pray that you are blessed and check out next week as we will be kicking off a new series that I am so excited to share with you. We'll see you then.